0: Hello and welcome, I'm Jules B, your host of Behind the Labels, a label-free podcast premium production. Go with me behind the scenes as I dive into the lives of our guests. Each episode will feature unconventional questions that invoke joy, sorrow, and sometimes silence. Come on in, take a seat, and let's start this conversation.
1: Thank you so much for coming and speaking with me today here behind the label, the label street podcast. And again, like I said, I just want to have a conversation with a couple of questions that I have for you. So tell me a little bit about you. So I am
2: a wife, a mom, a chaplain, a social worker, um, a speaker, a minister, and a first time author recently. Um, oh. Yeah. So I uh, was first trained as a social worker and um, started having some babies and worked in in the church world for a while. I grew up as a pastor's kid, so that was a comfortable place for me to land while I was raising my little ones. And then um, kind of <laughs> went through some some things in life that made me start asking some big questions. I feel like I was going through, um, what I call like a mid motherhood life crisis as my kids started to get a little older and I started to walk through some things with, um, loss and, um, I had a miscarriage and we went through some kind of really intense medical things with my family. And, and just as we went through those things, I started asking some, some big life and faith questions and, um, I found a lot of like therapeutic relief in and spiritual connection in writing. So I wrote um, a devotional study book that was kind of burst through a couple years of of struggle, but also um, some really deep moments of connection with God and with the world around me and with other people. And so um, it kind of transformed into a book that was recently published a few months ago. So in my day-to-day life, I work as a hospital social worker, and then my side hustle is is as a minister, um, and a preacher, and an author. Okay. (laughs) All
1: right. All right. That's going to be in a nutshell. (laughs) Okay. That is wonderful. You know, and I don't put you in a nutshell, but (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. that, Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So... You know, I was I was uh, raised as a PK, a preacher's kid. Okay. Oh yeah. So my my father was pastor of the church, and my mother was first lady. So I have been in the church or been mm-hmm. part of the church because I don't want to say in the church because that's referring to a building more so than anything. So <laughs> I've been part of the church, you know, all of my life. Didn't always do right now, but Me neither. you know, now <laughs> at this. Point in my life, uh, it's very different. So, you want to talk about your devotional book? Is that what you, what you're looking to do with us? Uh, or- sure. I mean, I would. Uh, yeah. I
2: mean, I would definitely be happy to talk about it. Um, you know, especially with it just being um, kind of born from a place of asking questions and figuring out life. Um, both from a spiritual perspective, but also just from like a real person going through life and trying to, to figure things out the best way we can to navigate relationships and um, kind of the unexpected things that, that come up. Um, I think I've just kind of wanted to be um, an authentic voice, kind of speaking into into moms and to people of faith, but also into people who maybe don't understand um, that self-world. World. Yeah. Man.
1: Mm-hmm. So do you, how helpful or detrimental, here's my first question, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. How helpful or detrimental do you think it is when we tell each other to do our best? Do your best. Do you think that that's more helpful or do you think that in a certain way it's detrimental?
2: Hmm. Um, I guess I would say I've seen it as a helpful statement. Um, I think that our best is obviously a spectrum, um, because as people, we're all different and we all have different circumstances to navigate in this world. And I think being able to wake up and set your intentions to do your best and then, Go to sleep at the end of the day, knowing that that's what you offered, the world that you stepped into. I think can be a really good thing and feel like something that's really manageable and achievable for people, especially when they're struggling.
1: Yeah, I guess I was looking at it from a standpoint of sometimes when people tell you to do your best, they kind of leave you hanging, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, just do your best. Mm-hmm. But what? What if I don't know what to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How helpful is that? And then sometimes it's like, okay, you got this. Do your best, you know. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on the situation as to how helpful or detrimental that can be. Sure. So any labels that we have, whether we're believers or not, are built around fears. Even though you were raised in the church, what fear do you think your parents uh passed on to you Mm. um
2: I think that I grew up with a fear of not being good enough Mm. um through you know and so then that translated into kind of how I carried myself with this fear of not being good enough which always meant that I kind of felt like I wasn't good enough um And, and also sort of led me into some years where out of that fear, I hid a lot of things. I had a lot of, you know, kind of secret actions and, and I would act out that fear kind of, um, in private, I guess. And, um, because I, I wouldn't want people to know and to confirm that fear of me not being Mm -hmm. good enough. And so I would say that was something that, that being raised in that church realm. I mean, my dad was an evangelist, like a traveling evangelist. So we, we went around and, and was kind of always in the spotlight of making sure that I was good enough, that I was carrying myself well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because you had to make a good impression. Because right. Because the impression that you may, uh, help to what, I mean, it determines what they thought of your father. and isn't his children because right. There's the no way you can preach the word and tell me what to do, and your life is a and People right you all the time, right? Right. Yeah. In your opinion, what do you think is the definition of a good person, or does it even exist?
2: <laughs> um, I definitely think that good people exist. Um. I believe that that when I think of a good person or, um, now when I strive to be a good person, I think for me, that means authentically showing up in the same way in every part of life. Right. So you're not, um, showing up as a certain persona, um, in different situations and kind of putting a facade out there to appear a certain way, but that, um, you know, when goodness is truly within you, I think you show up in every space in the same way.
1: Okay, okay. But do you believe that there's such thing as a good person?
2: I do, yeah. I definitely think that, that there are there are good people in this world, for sure. Should
1: we be good or godly?
2: I mean, I'll be honest. I've met people who, who are good and it has nothing to do with god which is hard to say as a person of faith and as a minister myself but um i think that people do inherently have goodness and i think that it does it 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 does have something to do with how god created them they they just may not understand that um Mm -hmm. but i i definitely do think that there are there are good people i think that we were created in the image of God, which is filled with enough goodness. I think that the, the brokenness of this world um, has a tendency to manipulate that. Um, but I do think that there are definitely good people.
1: I think good is a matter of perception. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's a matter of perception. So what is suffering that you always believed was an exaggeration until you actually experienced Experienced it, Emily.
2: I mean, I think that I don't know that that I would have called it an exaggeration, but the goodness of God was something that I always heard about. I always knew about, but being raised in kind of a a preacher's home bubble. I don't think that I fully understood it until I kind of stepped into some darkness of my own doing <laughs> and, and then was able to really experience the goodness and grace of God that people had talked about. Um, Cause I think growing up, oftentimes I heard about God's grace and viewed it almost more as a punishment, Um, like something that you needed to receive when you messed up. And, and so it was like, well, like I'm good. Like I don't need God's grace. I've, I've you know, been doing all the right things, saying all the right things. And then, you know, it, it took kind of the moments of, of darkness to really receive God's grace and actually understand what it was, what it was all about and that it was, you know, <laughs> worth all the hype and definitely not, um, not a punishment like I had
1: kind of misconstrued it to be. Well, you know, I think that when we're younger and different things like that, and we've made up our minds that we're going to do what we now to do, then we see God's grace in different things in different light because sure. I'm the firm believer. It's either your, your desire or God's will. There There is no in between. It's <laughs> either this or that. And I'm not saying that people don't struggle. Okay. But I'm saying that, you know, either your goal is to, to do whatever you want to do or do whatever God wants you to do. If you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you think about some of the things that you've gone through as a PK, tell me about a time that you had a not-so-nice conversation, a disagreement with someone in the faith. But in the end, that disagreement actually strengthened your relationship with them.
2: Well, in in kind of the past year or so, um, my family has we became connected to a church. And after joining the church um, and having been there for a few months, found out that um, sort of on the, like on the interior of the church, like within the board and everything, that that part of their core values and belief system didn't allow for women in ministry or in leadership positions of any kind. Um, Which is someone who holds, yeah. So as someone who holds, you know, I have a master of divinity um you know I do preach the word that was a pretty obvious conflict with with who I believe I'm called to be and you know who I've like educated myself and and kind of put myself in a position to be and so there's been some uncomfortable conversations with people who have um a very different set of core values and who when they read scripture um believe it to say something different than what I do. Um, But what I found is, in having some of those conversations we will never come to a common ground necessarily. We don't walk away um, with one of us believing or having been convinced by the other person. And yet I think that when we come into a conversation with a willingness to listen and to seek understanding for their perspective, we can at least walk away with um an appreciation for for their point of view but also walk away with um an understanding of the shared gospel that we have and a willingness to like continue the conversation sure are you still with that church <laughs> um actually very very recently kind of stepped away but but i had you know i mean we've been going there for for a couple years it was one of those situations where um when i found out that was their core value it was my immediate reaction would be to kind of like cut and run (laughs) um but i felt like i was called to be in that place for a time and um and so i was and so i was kind of faithful until god told me it was time to step away
1: so so do you think that God told you that it was time to step away or did you actually step away because they don't let women minister? No,
2: I believe I believe that God like kind of released me to walk away because there was no um you know, movement or changing of their minds. And so, um, but I, I waited until I felt that um sort of relief too. I to
1: I could walk away okay and that's fine i i believe yeah i hope to, i guess i'm thinking about the fact that salvation just isn't an easy thing and you're dealing with people who are sick mm-hmm. They're in leadership positions and they don't always they don't always go ahead and do the right thing mm-hmm. but sometimes you have to pick up a rock and throw it at that giant. <laughs> and some, and right. sometimes the rock may be you being in a position that you didn't think that you would have to be in.
2: Mm-mm.
1: You know, so I just wonder if you know you decided to pick up a rock and throw it at the giant. Or yeah,
2: Don't. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, I you know, I but I'm not thought No, you're fine you're fine it was like a challenging couple of years and a lot of sort of internal wrestling and and wrestling with God and I definitely think there are times to pick up a rock and throw it and I think there are other times where we are we're called in in other ways and so um you know I mean David picked up the rock and threw it but David also you know, at times just showed up and, and played his harp and, and that was a form of ministry as well. So that's I young, that's 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 I, off. Off. So I think yeah, I was yeah. there, you know, like I was, um, I led, you know, worship and had the opportunity to do some, some other things in worship with communion and things like that. And so I, I think that I followed,
1: um, kind of God's God. He's worship. Good yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's blocking a belt. I I think that everything has its place Mm -hmm. in the church. There are a lot of things out of place. It's a lot harder to, to fight now. Mm -hmm. Not, not that sin has changed, but it's become more normalized. Mm -hmm. And because of that, the fight is different. So you may have to stay a little bit longer. And you may have to fight a little bit harder. Sure. And you may have to go through things that you didn't normally expect. So it leads me to my next question. What's your why? Why, why are you doing this? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about being called by God. I'm mm-hmm. not talking about having a drink. What happened in your life that woke you up and said, this is what I need to do? hmm
2: so for me it it kind of started with like a series of events that that weren't necessarily connected but kind of jumbled together um my father-in-law died um i had a miscarriage a month after my husband had a vasectomy i just kind of stumbled into this like pit And when I landed there, all I felt was anger. Um, I was so mad at God. Um, I felt like I was working in full-time ministry at the time and I felt just abandoned, um, by him. And I didn't understand what I had done wrong. And it was in that moment, um, and sort of just in that kind of raw doubt and fear and anger um, that I I just needed to understand, and um, you know I could have walked away entirely at that point, but instead I I made the choice to lean in, um, and so I just started leaning into scripture every day and then kind of jotting down what I was experiencing both in the word and just in the world around me. And I started to kind of just make these little like Facebook posts. And um, what I noticed was there were people who would start messaging me from like across the years of life that would say, that what I was putting out there was speaking to them. And it wasn't the church folk that I knew. It was like the kid from high school or somebody that I crossed paths with at a class in college who I didn't, um, you know, think that those posts were for, right? Like as church, you know, I I thought I was writing to like the church people. Um, But really what I found was that by being willing to say um, life sucks, This didn't work out like I thought it did. Um, This is what I don't understand. This is what I'm wrestling with. And just being a normal person talking about um, the love of Jesus in the midst of all of that um, really seemed to connect with people that had maybe been hurt by the church before or maybe had their own sort of falling into a pit (laughs) moment. And... um, so just from that i i just wanted to to be a voice that i didn't feel like i had growing up um a voice that was real and genuine and willing to express doubt but also meet it with grace um
1: so that's kind of my why okay so here's my last question Sure. If you could relive one day in your life, when you think about all that you've gone through, I mean, mm-hmm. you talked about growing up as a, a preacher's kid, You talked about even, you know, rebelling, so to speak. You talked about mm-hmm. of the miscarriage after your husband had a vasectomy, which mm-hmm. is, I, I can't even imagine. If you could relive one day... But you couldn't change it, Emily. Mm-hmm. You could only experience it again. What day would that be for you and why? You okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, It's okay. So... <laughs> no, it's okay. If you need them all it's okay. I mean, people get emotional about that question, especially with, when, uh, you know, depending on what's the first thing is that pops into their mind.
2: Um, A few years ago... My grandma was like we grew up next to her and she was just like, you know, like the best person I've ever met. <laughs> and um a few years ago she had like a mini stroke. And so she'd gone to the hospital, you know, and the doctors checked her out and said she was she was okay, she was fine, those things happened. And so a few days after that was um was Valentine's Day, which is always like one of her favorite holidays because she was just the most loving person so it was like one of her days and so we kind of gathered at grandma's house and at that point I lived like an hour or so away but I brought my kids like home for the weekend and we went to grandma's house and um he's had a most like perfect day and then a few days later she had um major stroke that that took her I would like to relive that yeah. that special Valentine's Day and just really, like, savor it. Like, we did savor it because she had had that scare a few days before. Um, but that's the day, like, I think back to um, that I would definitely relive, even though I couldn't, you know, change
1: the outcome or what was, what was to be. But, yeah, that would be the day. Because Sorry. I was like, that's no, You don't have to apologize. No, <laughs> well, not at all. She sounds like she was a wonderful lady. And you're not crying because she was a bad person. You're cry- crying because she was special. And there's nothing wrong with those tears. Never apologize for love. For <laughs> Never apologize for that. I'm, like, I'm going to stop the question. <laughs> because <laughs> I-, I don't want you to keep crying. <laughs> you- You know, I'm going to stop. Thank you for showing up and thank you for being so honest and open about things. Uh, I know sometimes I ask difficult questions for some people, but I'm glad that you answered so you and I could have a conversation. And of course, in the meantime and in between time, blessings to you, Miss Emily. And keep in mind that we are not as divided as we are disconnected.
2: Amen. All right. All right. Thank you for your time.
0: No, you welcome. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Behind the Labels, a label-free podcast premium production. We hope this conversation has reminded you of the power of your voice and the importance of taking the best steps to live a more fulfilled life. Make sure you like, follow, comment, and share. And for more content, check out the label-free podcast with our fabulous host, Deanna. And remember, we all have choices. We all have goals. We all make mistakes. But it doesn't have to be behind a label.